What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. It's time to overreact to one game. I usually don't do game recaps on this podcast because, first of all, there's 82 games. A lot of them look similar. And quite frankly, I think talking specifically about one game is boring. I think zooming out and giving you a bigger picture or an inside look at how the Blazers think and feel about things and trends in the league is generally more interesting. But the Blazers just won in Houston for what is unequivocally their best, most complete, and most impressive win of the season. So, a night like that calls for some overreaction. I want to talk about why this was the Blazers' formula for winning, what stood out to me about how this game maybe was different than some of their other wins. They don't have a lot of these games that you can point to as really good wins this year, so it's a short list. But I want to point out why I think this was different than even those others that could make the list. But this is just the first game of a three-game road trip, so we'll close the show talking about what's next for the Blazers when they head to a road back-to-back over the weekend to close out a three-game trip. Let's start in Houston with what happened tonight. The Blazers won a game 117-107. And this was the best game the Blazers have played for a variety of reasons. But I think it was the best game that they've played this year because the Rockets are good. Uh, They're kind of in a little funk right now, having lost a couple in a row. But this isn't a bad team. they're, They're fifth in the West and they'll be a, a factor in the playoffs, even if they bow out in the first round, get your hardened jokes off now. But this is the Blazers' best win of the season because I think it was the closest they've come to 48 minutes of executing a game plan. Uh, I, I think some of their struggles on defense are just because they don't have very good defenders. Uh, Dame, CJ, and Carmelo is just a trio that isn't going to be lights out defensively. They ask Hassan Whiteside to do a lot on defense, and he's capable of certain specific things, but he can't cover up every blemish. It's just not in his skill set. But I think this was the closest the Blazers have come to executing a 48-minute defensive game plan. They held James Harden to a season-low 13 points. They, But more importantly, that 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 stands out, certainly. But... The thing that I am more impressed with, sort of the box score number that sticks out to me more, is that they held him to just 12 field goal attempts, his second fewest in a game all season long. The the fewest he had came back in December against the Toronto Raptors in a game where Ben McLemore hit eight three-pointers. That didn't happen tonight. The Rockets supporting cast, McLemore hit five threes, but you know, he didn't hit eight. I guess that's a weird line to draw, but the Blazers did a good job making the sort of when they did go and double team Harden. And that was the key to this game. They sent two guys at Harden and said, anyone else will beat us. And eventually late in the game, they said, not Macklemore either. We won't help off him. And they kind of funneled the ball towards Russell Westbrook and PJ Tucker. But that 12 field goal attempts is impressive because James Harden has been killing the league this year. He averages 38 points per game. He marches to the free throw line. He only took 12 free throws. The Blazers took more free throws than the Rockets. I would not have bet that coming into the night. 
particularly on a night where Dame only got to the line eight times. But the Blazers were so sharp game plan-wise defensively. They sent two guys to the ball. Every time Harden, they would double Harden in the middle of the floor, something that other teams have done. And the Blazers have sparingly done. They've mostly with uh, with other versions of of the Rockets and Houston and, and, uh, and James Harden. They have tried to just send one guy at him and stay home, try to limit his assists. But tonight they just... This was a game plan specific. This was a it was a team specific game plan to get the ball out of James Harden's hands and dare anyone else to beat him. Russell Westbrook had a great game, eleven of twenty two from the floor, a triple double with thirty one points, eleven boards, and twelve assists. He only had one turnover. This was good, Russell. But not having Harden go for forty five was the key to this game, and not having the Rockets' supporting cast. I thought Hassan Whiteside greatly, not greatly, but I thought I thought he outplayed Clint Capella. They had pretty similar box score lines, but I thought Whiteside outplayed him, and I think Capella is just, frankly, a really good matchup for Hassan Whiteside. The defensive stuff stands out. The game plan defensive stuff really stands out to me because this is not a very good defensive team. The Blazers are a, straight up a bad defensive team. But... And what I want to talk about in the second segment is this was the Blazers' formula for winning. They exposed how they're going to have to beat good teams. And while the game plan-specific defense, being sharp on what they want to do to opposing stars, can work. It has to work. That has to be their plan, is that they, they have to say, we are going to take away what this guy does best, and, and I'll be committed to that. They haven't always been that sharp on that stuff this year. In fact, I think one of the failings of their defense is that sometimes they just keep giving up a guy's strength. They just, they say, oh, the, you know, against the Hornets most recently, oh, Devontae Graham likes to uh, shoot threes off the dribble, so don't go under screens. They go under two screens in the third quarter, dude gets hot. So I think sometimes they aren't as sharp. Tonight they were sharp. But I want to talk about in the second segment, is why this is the Blazers' formula for winning and why it sort of, if we're going to overreact to one game, I want to draw this one game out into sort of a larger picture because I I think this performance is maybe not always specifically repeatable. I think especially early in this game, first and second quarter, and particularly in the second quarter, the Rockets miss some shots they can make. The Blazers took advantage of that. But... The way they took advantage of that, the the manner in which they took advantage of that was important. So that's what I want to talk about in the second segment. Why this game against the Rockets can be the blueprint for the Blazers turning their season around and maybe stacking wins against multiple good teams? Could it be? But before we do that, I want to tell you about Echelon Fit. To get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bike that offers a high-quality at-home cycling experience at less than half the price of a Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone. Busy moms and dads, first responders, elite athletes, whatever your level of physical activity. 
And with daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym. You'll love Echelon. But if you aren't 100% satisfied, they'll give you your money back. Join the hundreds of thousands of people who are getting fit with Echelon. Don't pay a ton for Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under $1,000. To do that, here's what you do. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A to learn about their limited time, free Apple iPad, and complete details of this exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. Echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. All right, welcome back. So in the first segment, I talked about the this being the Blazers' most impressive win of the season because they were committed to a defensive game plan for 48 minutes. You could tell all five guys understood the game plan. They were connected. They rotated defensively. And while they got beat a couple times and maybe bailed out by the Rockets missing a handful of shots they can make, this, yes, this game where they gave up 107 points was one of their best defensive games of the season. The Rockets shot under 40% from the field. Like I said, they missed some makeable threes, but they were 16 of 49 from three. I think three-point defense is pretty random. The Blazers probably benefited from some randomness, but they did it the right way. Make anyone but James Harden beat you, and they did. But why I think this is the Blazers' formula for success has more to do with what happened on the other end. I've been saying it a bunch on this podcast, and I'll repeat it here now. The Blazers' way out of being bad, the Blazers' parachute home, is by being an elite offensive team. Not a pretty good offensive team. I think they've kind of settled into being a slightly above average offensive team. Their way home is being an elite offensive team. And tonight, while this wasn't their greatest shooting night, Ken Bazemore did not shoot well. Damian Lillard won from eight from three. There were key buckets, particularly midway through the fourth quarter and and early in the game, some, some big buckets that gave the Blazers a lead and then sustained their lead down the stretch carried them to victory and their offense is going to carry them to victory but it's I don't want to talk about the specifics I'd like to zoom out a little bit and talk about the trends that that matter here Carmelo Anthony had 13 of his 18 in the first half Damian Lode had 16 of his 25 in the in the third quarter and then in the fourth CJ McCollum put up 11 of his 24 points This is the formula. The Blazers need balance on offense. They can't rely on Damian Lillard. He only had seven in the first half and he was relatively quiet. So was Carmelo and CJ early. Then in the third quarter when the Rockets were threatening to make a run, cutting, trying to cut into a double-digit lead, Damian Lillard took over. At one point he scored 10 straight points for the Blazers. And then with Dame sitting to open the fourth quarter, the the Blazers hit some big threes. Gary Trent Jr. hit an important three-pointer. Anthony Tolliver added one, too. And then when both teams brought their starters back in the game, 
the Blazers were really methodical in how they attacked. They spread the court out. They put Hassan Whiteside in the dunker, kind of that spot a half step outside the lane, but along the baseline. He scored both his buckets by kind of lurking in the dunker and then in that dunker spot. And then Damian Lord had two crucial assists in the fourth quarter. To me, the biggest buckets of the game. The Rockets got within six. He got into the paint, found CJ McCollum in the opposite corner. CJ drilled one. And then two possessions later, again, Damian Lillard snakes around perimeter defenders. The Rockets kind of sent soft double teams at him, and he found Carmelo Anthony spotted up in the corner. After all that defensive tension comes to Dame, and Melo knocked it down. It's huge buckets to push the, the lead back to double digits. But I think this is the Blazers' formula. You get real balance. You have three very good one-on-one scores. I don't know if I'm going to put Carmelo in that. You have three good one-on-one scores. Dame is one of the 10 best players in the league. CJ is one of the best one-on-one scores in the league. Carmelo, when he has space and time, can be a really good scorer. But the Blazers also trusted the pass a little bit more in this game. Because the Rockets are willing to switch and because that leads to a lot of one-on-one play, that can kind of lure this team, and they've done it against Houston a bunch, into playing one-on-one. And I think what I was impressed with in this game is that instead of getting trapped and just playing you know, playground basketball, getting the switch you want and then just trying to beat your man one-on-one, the Blazers used the switches a little more to their advantage. They said, okay, here's a switch I like, a player I can attack, I can beat him off the dribble, and when the collapsing help comes... Make a real make a real smart pass. The Blazers had 22 assists on 41 shots. Now, in general, that's not a particularly impressive stat. That's a uh, an assist percentage slightly below 54%. That would move the Blazers to, let's check the stats, oh, 27th in the NBA in assist percentage. But right now, they're dead last. They're 30th. They assist. They're the only team in the league assisting less than half of their field goals. That's why this is the formula. It's not crazy ball movement and player movement. The play, the Blazers didn't run a bunch of crazy sets. They they were methodical. They spread the Rockets out. They kind of just let Dame go to work. When he wasn't on the court, they let CJ go to work. And he did a bunch of just crafty CJ stuff. This wasn't a clinic and ball movement or this sort of like renaissance of the Blazers from five years ago coming back where the ball zips around the court, you know, seven passes in a possession leading to a wide open three. But this is the formula. Hassan Whiteside scores by being opportunistic and benefiting from his talented player, his talented teammates breaking the defense down. He spaces the right way. Hit seven offensive rebounds. That's the formula for Hassan. Get those easy points. The other part of the formula is balance. Have Carmelo Anthony go off early. Have CJ carry the offense when Dame isn't getting it going. Have those 12-minute stretches where Damian Lode is the best player on the floor. That's your balance. It doesn't have to always look like it does tonight where the Blazers had 10 players in double figures. Their bench didn't do much. 
Tolliver was fine, but no one else on the bench except for one timely three, really, from Gary Trent. Another timely three from Nazir Little in the second half, too. But these are those are you know small buckets to kind of keep the lead going. It's not always going to be five guys in double figures, but the balance of your turn, my turn with Dame, CJ, and Carmelo has to has to be there. The slight uptick in assists, which some of that is just shot making, obviously. Assists aren't necessarily an indicator of better ball movement, but I thought in this game specifically they were an indicator of of timely passing. Passes at the right time. This, is the, this has to be the formula. I'll say it one last time before we get to the third segment. A defense committed to its game plan. If Russell wants to cook the rock, cook the Blazers, let him try to cook. We're just not going to die at the hands of James Harden. We'll get our offense from our big three. We'll let Hassan Whiteside be opportunistic, control the glass, and play to his strengths. No post-ups, not a ton of pick-and-roll stuff with him. Let him score by spacing, and we're going to spread the floor. Share the ball a little bit more than you do. A, just a minor uptick. They have one less assist, and they're basically at their season average. So we're a minor uptick. Pass the ball a little bit more. One smarter pass. That's it. Sharper attention to a game plan. Some balanced scoring from the big three. This wasn't a hyper-efficient offensive game, but it was good enough. That's their formula. It seems pretty simple. But depending on how you would like to count at home, this is the Blazers' either third or fifth win over a team with a winning record. They beat Oklahoma City twice this year. The Thunder did not have a winning record when they played the Blazers, but do now. So some scoring at home would say the Blazers have five wins over team teams over 500. I'm not sure that's how I count it. But a win over the Raptors last week looks like the Blazers' best win of the season. I even tweeted out, it's the Blazers' best win of the season. But that game was a rock fight. Raptors couldn't score, Blazers couldn't score, but had an made enough plays and got a couple breaks in the final 30 seconds to win the game. Dame was electric. That gave a hint of where, what they could do. Beat a good team on the road. They followed that up with an unbelievable dud in Minneapolis. That's what I want to talk about in the third segment. How can the Blazers avoid some duds when they go to Dallas and Oklahoma City? on Friday and Saturday night. All right, still Lockdown Blazers, still Mike Richmond. We're still overreacting to one game. I haven't done a game recap all year, I believe, on this podcast. Maybe I've done one segment where I quickly recap the game, give you like a 10-second recap. Today, because the Blazers finally beat a good team and they finally looked good doing it, and maybe a little national, maybe I got a little national TV drunk, I was the glitz and glamour of an ESPN broadcast convinced me this game was more important than it is. I decided to give you two full segments on the Rockets game. That and also you if you listen to this podcast and you've been watching the Blazers all year, you deserve some positivity. 
So I gave you a little positivity. I think the Blazers played really well against the Rockets. I think this was their best win of the year, hands down. I talked about how this has to be their formula. A defense that's just good enough, an offense that has balance and shares the ball a little bit more. That's the way they're going to push forward. But the question is, can they do it in another nationally televised game against the Dallas Mavericks on Friday night? The Blazers just beat the Rockets, who have the second best offense in the league. Their reward is that they go against the Dallas Mavericks, owners of the best offense in the NBA. So the question is, how do they avoid a letdown? Well, one, I think that game in Minneapolis was game, I I know, it was game five of a five-game road trip. Those are tired legs, tired bodies. And the Blazers laid a dud. Here's how they don't repeat, here's how they don't have another dud. One, the balance they had tonight, I don't think it's repeatable all the way through. I don't think you're going to have all five starter score in double figures. Four of them average double figures, but getting that from Bazemore and he didn't shoot well or play particularly well on offense. So let's pretend Kent Bazemore doesn't have a big scoring night. I think the more repeatable things are getting the efficient nights from your ISO scores by putting them in good spots. Now, Damian Lord is going to draw a lot of attention uh, just because of the nature of bringing the ball across the court and running a, a kajillion high pick and rolls. He's going to have 10 eyes on him a lot. But when I, so I'm not really talking about him when I say ISO scores. I'm really talking about putting Carmelo Anthony in space on that right side of the floor where he likes to go to work. Get him a matchup he can use. Give CJ McCollum a little bit of space and let him go to work. The way to avoid, the way, like I said in the second segment, the Blazers' path forward is to be an elite offensive team. And I think what the Blazers did really well against the Rockets is get their guys in spot in their spots and let them go to work. A lot of, the couple of the CJ's buckets were just him being insanely good with the ball in his hands. But I thought what the Blazers did really well with Mello, who was 7 of 10 in that game, 18 points, 12 boards, he had a really nice night, was put him in spots where he's not going to see two defenders, where he can just kind of bully guys. The Mavericks aren't uh, an elite defensive team. Uh, They don't have a ton of wing defensive stoppers. Dorian Finney-Smith is a pretty good defensive player, but they, they beat teams by having the best offense in the NBA. So you avoid a letdown by playing smart. Getting Carmelo to his spots. Giving CJ space. And that might mean running fewer pick and rolls. He didn't run a million pick and rolls in the fourth quarter when they were holding off the lead. They kind of just let him attack and be smart with space around him. But in a lot of ways, why I'm spending this time overreacting to the Rockets game is because I think it's this sort of game plan specific stuff that will push the Blazers to the next level. The Rockets are a little more predictable in the way they're 
to, that you can defend them. doesn't make them easier to defend because James Harden is such a monster, but he's not the... The, De- the Mavericks run just way more plays. They don't just kind of space the floor and, and you can and you can know where it's going to come from every time down the court. They just run way more stuff. They got a sh- more shooting bigs also, which gives which could give Hassan Whiteside some trouble. But it's being game plan specific against those type of things. Sit on Luka Doncic's step back. Don't allow easy lobs to Dwight Powell. Help off the right guys. You can help off Dorian Finney-Smith. Don't help off Seth Curry. You can sag a little bit off DeLon Wright, but stay a half step closer to Tim Hardaway Jr. I'm not pretending that I'm this sort of like brilliant NBA scout who can uh, who's, you know, watched enough of the Mavericks to know what's how how the Blazers can win. But part of me thinks this Rocket game is important because it comes on the heels of a really awful win over the Charlotte Hornets where the Blazers had a comfortable lead, were up big, and then played incredibly flat in the third quarter and nearly lost this game. And I think those type of ugly wins for good teams can often be a wake-up call where you say, okay, we can't play like that again. I'm not sure the Blazers are a good enough team to be able to make that sort of have those sort of wake up call moments. But I do think it is for this group desperately needing wins. It can be healthy to win a game when you don't play well because you can get the good vibes of a victory with some learning experiences built in. I think the Rockets game is more valuable. You get the good vibes good vibes of a victory where you played legitimately well. The test is can they do it again? Dallas and OKC to close out the trip. I don't do recaps on this podcast. I certainly don't do predictions. <laughs> I uh, already broke one of those rules tonight, so I'm not doing two. But I think this is I thought this was going to be a tough trip. I thought this was going to be a sort of a, a nightmare stretch for the Blazers to get to the All-Star break. Step one of the nightmare stretch. They looked as good as they have all year. It'll be a real test if they can do it again. That's going to do it for this overreaction podcast. Tell your friends about this show. They can find it wherever they already get podcasts. That's on Google, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.